Hello, hello. I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 139 The Floating Spirit. So, during the last episode, I talked about what, what the characters get up to between sessions and how do you handle it. Do you just hand wave it, or have you got some system? dealing with it and what sort of questions are you asking that's coming up later before that we've got some call-ins some feedback from last episode and some call-ins that date to even earlier episodes so let's get to it hey colin i think that you should create your own rule set and call it the rescue of the chaotic watcher i think that would be genius Hey, Colin, Tim here. I haven't even listened to your episode yet, but uh, I love that it was a randomly generated title for your cast. Love it. So now I'm going to go listen to the rest of it. Take care. (laughs) It's always funny what people pick up on. You've got Shane and Tim both kind of latched onto this random title that I came up with last session. It's funny. The smallest little idea. I thought it might be fun. And, uh, Guys feel compelled to call in, man. That's brilliant. I love it. love it. And don't expect a game design in the near future. <laughs> Shane, man. Oh, man, I'm not into doing them heartbreakers. Oof. I, 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 oh, no way. It's not happening. It's not happening. You, you'll never convince me. No. Oh, yeah, and Tim, uh, I hope you did finally listen to that episode and it lived up to your expectations. Uh Obviously, nothing to do with rescuing chaotic watchers. <laughs> hey, what's up, Colin? That was a great episode, man. The chaotic watcher, dude. Fear the chaotic watcher. No, but it's just so cool to hear all those people calling in to your show, man. You do such an awesome job of bringing so many cool people together, and I just really appreciate what you're doing out there. And hearing you go off about thieves was one of the – oh, dude, that was one of the best things I've heard in a minute, man. I could listen – I probably will go back and listen to that again. That was was a rant worthy of the best, man. Awesome stuff. Have a good one, and I will talk to you again. Peace out. Whoa, Colin coming out swinging at the thief, huh? I'll keep that in mind next time we play uh, Kalmata and Norder's there with you. Nah, I'm just playing. Hey, man, I I understand your uh, frustration with the class. It is, um, I mean, the least, it's the lowest powered class in BX, even at higher levels. But um, you got to admit, you'd rather have one and not need it than need it and not have one, right? You find that treasure chest that you're about 90% sure it's got a, a needle trap in it or, you know, some kind of pit trap. You don't know how to disable it because you're just a big dumb brute. Bet you wish Snarder was there with you. Yes, well, a couple of call-ins there chatting about me raring up on the thief, uh, the old BX thief anyway. Uh, oh, man, I did, I did let rip a little bit, but... I basically stand by what I had to say. <laughs> I thought uh, the first call in there from Joe Richter was, was amusing. It sounded like uh, he found it quite funny, as did Cody there. And Cody's talking about his thief Nada from Kalmar. And that is a bit of an exception to the rule. If I recall, 
Nardis, fourth or fifth level. And um, he's not yet average thief. So, yeah, always, uh, always good to have Narda around. Well, when he's not being a goat, anyway. <laughs> now, Cody's got another call in, and um, he's talking about his fixes for the old BX thief. So, take it away, Cody. Hey, Colin, it's Cody again. Um, yeah, I think there's uh, a number of things you could do to, quote, fix the thief in BX. Um, I do like Dyson Logos D6. He also did a 2D6 variant for the skills. Um, and another thing I thought about was maybe just porting over the DCC thief skill system. And there it's just a, uh, a D20 roll and you add a modifier against the target number. Um, that seems much simpler to me. Um, and the other thing, I, I guess the least intrusive thing you can do is just increase your thief level by two to determine your skills. That's what we do in Kalmata, and that kind of helps uh, incentivize playing a thief, making the skills a little better. But um, And, yeah, maybe don't call him a thief. Maybe call him a burglar, perhaps. All right, bud, take it easy. Oh, I don't know, Cody. Burglar, man. A thief by another name is a thief just the same. Yeah, in all seriousness, though, Cody, I, I just think, yeah, thief is a bad bad name there's loads of better things you could call them perhaps it's just uh, i guess it's just the old traditions the dcc point is interesting uh i haven't read the rules for ages but that sounds a lot more in line with uh maybe the the 5e kind of dc check that you might run into roll a d20 add your your bonus and you're trying to reach the target number so i should probably have a little look at that and, um, yeah, just bumping up the skills like you do in Kalmata. It's another straightforward and pretty easy easy way to, to incentivise the thief. But um, I didn't mention all the confusion about backstabs either. Oh, man. Hold on, hold on. I need to calm down. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Being as I know you all like a little bit of choppy editing, I also forgot to mention Gavin Norman did a BX Rogue variant that uses skills and it drops in nicely. I think it was designed to work with Labyrinth Lord, but it would work fine with BX and that's quite an interesting option. It was a little book he put out some years back. I think he's since fallen out of the idea uh, you know fallen out of love with the idea because he he likes to keep things kind of sim uh, more simple and a bit more rules as written nowadays that's the impression i get but that was a good little variant he did another book on fighters as well i haven't seen i think there was another one and he did the vivamancer too so uh yeah maybe something else you can check out if like me you're a bit disenchanted with the bx thief so at the top of the show, I was talking about this idea of what happens to characters when they're between adventures. How can I move the storyline on? And I was just basically asking people to perhaps call in with any ideas they have. I had a few thoughts of my own, but I didn't want to go into that. I wanted to kind of draw some ideas together and and talk about it a bit more once I've got a couple of call-ins or something. So that has happened as always, the listeners have rallied to the cause and we've got some 
nice call-ins to to set the set the tone for the discussion and and get the ball rolling. So first up, we're going to hear from my old budski Aaron C from Keep It Simple podcast. Hey, Colin, Aaron Clark. I was just listening to your uh, episode about campaign time, campaign calendars, what happens between the dungeons, between the adventure. DCC has got a nice little almanac that's published in one of the gong farmers. I've got a PDF extract if you'd like it. That's a nice way to sort of track time, uh, you know, or milestone events that could be occurring within the campaign world. And to address that question about, you know, oh, there's a month between play sessions. What are the characters doing? Maybe give them a couple of choices, like things that are happening in the world and how they're addressing it or what they're doing about that or how they're engaging. And or if maybe they're going to do something else and then those things just kind of crank along. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. Let's talk more. Indeed, let's talk more, Aaron. Thanks for your call in and your your offer of assistance with regards to the PDF. I've actually got the Adventurer's Almanac put out by Goodman Games. Uh, it, I picked it up at quite a good price, actually. Normally, to get their stuff in the UK, it's uh, super pricey. That's why I haven't picked up the um, like the reissues of Isle of Dread and uh, Keep on the Borderlands. I'd like to get them. They're super tempting. But at the end of the day, I've got the originals. And I just can't justify it. But I digress. I digress. Yeah, so I've got that. Like I say, I've got that almanac. I keep pulling it off the shelf, looking at it, and it just doesn't get into my bag. If I'm honest, I think I'm a little bit precious about writing in it and stuff. I know I could just use it and not actually write in it because of the way it's laid out. But I really must make a concerted effort to perhaps bring it in the other thing that puts me off slightly with it is it's got like wacky names for the months and the days and um, whilst I like all that in principle when it actually comes to running it in the game I find myself uh, getting in a bit of a getting in a bit of a mess with it all so once again though that could easily be sorted out or I could just try a bit harder I guess I've also thought about presenting the players with you know a a selection of options and I do try and do that I'll summarize what's been going on in the campaign perhaps and say to them you know don't forget you've got this there's that going on you know when they're a little bit lost I I try and offer these subtle signposts but what I'm conscious of not doing is I don't want I don't want to lead the players because I've done that before and I really want him to take a little bit more responsibility over the direction to take the campaign. I think ultimately that means they're going to get a little bit more invested because they're pursuing their own ideas rather than feeling that they're on a railroad following um, a story that I've created. Because I think you get more complaints as well then. Uh, had a little bit of a rocky session from my point of view on Tuesday. A few things didn't go super well, but I'll, I'll come on to that later. But yeah, 
it's getting the balance right between giving them options and not leading them too much. So, yeah, thanks for the call in, Aaron. And now we hear from another familiar voice, a man I always like to hear from. It's Mr. Ray Otis. Hey, Spike Pitt. This is Ray. I really enjoyed your thoughts on the Sunday morning podcast about progressing time between adventures. And uh, that formula sounded cool. I don't think it really works as written, but the idea is great. And I think, you know, as a loose guideline, that would be pretty good. One of the things I think it's important to ask yourself after every session is how much time passed in the game there and like you said how much time's going to pass between this session and next session if you reach some sort of stopping point um and then having established how much time that is ask yourself what the bad guys are up to certainly villains would know what is going on in their dungeon or in their in their land they'd have spies out where they would learn some things about the characters and what their strengths and weaknesses are and possibly prepare against them. So that would be kind of a cool question to ask yourself. What were the bad guys up to? Yeah, Ray, I am so glad you mentioned villains. This campaign I'm running at the moment is really... It's the villains and the NPCs. In fact, I'll say this campaign, most of my campaigns seem to run on on this idea of the NPCs. My preparation is about cooking up plots that the major players are working towards. I have a have a location, try and build a bit of a sandbox with you know places of interest, but then rather than having some sort of story or narrative, I just have these bad guys advancing their agendas. I think it's something I've picked up in reading things like Dungeon World and Fate and um, Perilous Wilds, stuff like that. And uh, even probably beyond the wall to a ex- certain extent, I like the way those those um, designs focus on the bad guys. So, yeah, it's a point well made. What is it the bad guys are up to? I think if you can get that right, it really helps. It really helps a campaign. Uh, what I, what it ended up, I'll explain how it ended up going. So I didn't go for this specific time span. What I basically did, I said to the characters, uh, "You're going to take a little bit of time to recover from your last adventure," and I took the downtime rules from 5e as my foundation i looked at the different options that are there there's things like carousing gambling research selling items religious service and so on and so forth i briefly outlined these things explained the concept and then said to everybody right first of all we're going to say you've got a week what what is it you want to do with that week and we just sort of explored the idea we did some different things there were a few blank faces it has to be said but they got round to the idea we worked out a few things on the fly and um, I think it's got the beginnings of quite a nice little system when I go into running 5e obviously this will be even more straightforward because that's the system I took it from we would have already 
tried it a little bit with basic fantasy and then it'll it should really sing in the 5e campaign determining how long or how much time has passed between sessions is still something i'm wrestling with but um i think i'd like to carry this conversation on some more but that's where i'm at i've got this oh yeah i sat and worked out a timeline for the plot as well uh, and i think that's helpful so now i know specifically there's there's this um there's these caravans that are being plagued by raiders and um they're basically moved between two locations and it takes a week and if you don't organize yourself a little bit you can end up losing track of where on the timeline this this caravan is and it's pertinent to the plot but i'll perhaps go into that a little bit more in a, f a future episode but yeah good call ray always know what the villains are up to keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer on the subject of ray otis not that he's an enemy and i want to keep him close <laughs> but uh check out plundergrounds his most recent episode or I should say he, he's done an episode on his top 10 fantasy books. There's some rules to it. They've got to be standalone uh, and he hasn't got any, he hasn't duplicated authors in the list. Anyway, I'll let him explain it. Go, go and have a listen. I've just ended up with a whole bunch of reading that I've now got to work my way through. Uh, but it's a great listen. So, um, Nice one, Ray. Thanks for that. And thanks for the call-in, man. And now for something completely different. Hey, Spike Pit. This is J.E. Shields from A Grazing Mace. I just uh, listened to your podcast um, called The Rescue of the Chaotic Watcher. And you uh, you credited me with, uh, with an idea. And I just wanted to say thank you for the shout-out. But I can't take credit for it. Um, that was not me. I don't remember the name of the person um, who, who mentioned the halfling goblin idea. Um, it was kind of cool too, uh, but just want to set things right and uh, continue to uh, encourage you in what you're doing. It's, it, it's great. Thanks so much. Bye. Benjamin Hinnom is the man I should have attributed to the halfling and goblin thing. Wow. Jay Shields putting me right on that one. I can't believe I got that so badly wrong. Oh, well, perhaps I can. But anyway, thanks for the call in, Mr. Shields. Much appreciated. Now, if you haven't heard it, we give him another shout out. A Grazing Mace, another podcast you want to get on your listening list. I'm going to call it there. I'd like to uh, talk a bit more about downtime, perhaps in a future episode. And when I've played with it a little bit more, I'll update you on my findings. Thanks to everybody who called in for your kind words and your valued contribution to the discussion. I'd urge anybody who hasn't done a call in or feeling a bit shy, don't worry about it. Just pile in there. Don't matter... If you think it's silly or not worth doing, put all that to the back of your mind. I want to hear from as many people as I can because I love to put voices to names. 
Thanks to the patrons over at Spike Pit, the pit crew, keeping me going and growing. And last but not least, thanks to you, the listener. Take care, and I'll catch you later. By the light of the stars, I was hunting again For a mean old troll in a third-level den I'd been lucky so far, this was old-school rules I should've been cautious, should've used my tools The path was leafy and the way was dim The DM cracked a smile, but I ignored him And then... I fell into a spike pit